We're so glad that y'all have joined us online for worship today, and we're positive that God has something specifically to speak just to you. We want you to know that you are always welcome here at First Baptist Azel, and that you can connect with us by going online to fbcazel.org forward slash connect. Now let's hop back into the sermon and hear what God has for us today. Open your Bibles with me this morning to Psalm 101. Psalm 101. I haven't been in Psalms too much lately, and every now and then you got to look at the Psalms. It's extraordinary how similar our life is to the world of 3,000 years ago. <clears throat> our conveniences have changed, our technology has changed, but our problems are still the same, and our tendencies and our, our, our need is still the same. And so uh, it is remarkable to read words like this that are 3,000 years old and see the profound wisdom from the hand and the heart of God. Psalm 101, this is written by David. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word together? <clears throat> David says, I will sing of your love and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will walk in my house with blameless heart. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. The deeds of faithless men I hate. They will not cling to me. Men of perverse heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, him I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they will dwell with me. He whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. For uh, no one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Every morning, I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the beauty of these words. May they be a cornerstone of our life as they were to David's. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Our message this morning is entitled, A Change of Heart, A Change of Heart, right out of Psalm 101. As you know, if you've been members here at First Baptist Church or attending here for very long, I love new cars. I like looking at new cars, and I'm not alone. It's not just the design and the technology involved. It's that they are so clean. I mean, really clean. The engine, the floorboards, the trunk, everything is squeaky clean. Every nut and bolt is brand new and polished and cleaned and beautiful. Of course, uh, only a few months after you take that shiny, spotless car home, it doesn't look that way anymore. A few rain showers, a few kids later. Oh, it still looks good. <clears throat> but not new car good. Oh, you, you, to be sure, uh, you wash it regularly at first. 
Oh, you try to get it as clean as you can. You try to get it as close to new car uh, condition as you can, even though it's not quite there. But then before long, uh, before you know it, your car is not looking like a new car at all. You've been driving it. You've been using it. You've been eating on the road, or your family has. You've dropped a couple of french fries between the seats. You spill a little drink in the cup holder. Oops. You drop a piece of half-melted chocolate in the carpet. My bad. You spill a little, uh, a little of this and a little of that. You, you drive on that newly topped road and you can hear the black tar slinging on your car <laughs> from your tires. Not our fault. Washing, to, washing it becomes less frequent, too. After a while, you begin to consider the vicious cycle of it all. You just wash it, and it just gets dirty again. So why even wash it? Uh, eventually, you'll take it in for service at the dealership, and you'll see those shiny new cars in the lot, and the cycle just starts all over again. Then a few weeks later, you decide to drive by the car lot and you see a beautiful, gorgeous car sitting out there in that car lot and you realize it's the car you just traded in. (laughs) The difference is they have gone through it and they've polished those nuts and bolts and they have cleaned it thoroughly. Unlike your quick car wash or your automated car wash where you don't even get out, they give it a deep cleaning, a detailing. Every french fry, every bit of sticky soda residue, every hairpin, gum wrapper, loose change, and dirty face mask has been removed. And you realize you didn't need a new car, you just needed a good cleaning. Our lives are like that. We require constant cleaning. And if we stop trying, we stop coming before God, we neglect the purifying of our own hearts and lives. Before long, our lives are a mess. And the problem is that the junk that is separating us, or the junk that's in our life is separating us from God. And we may even come to the point of thinking our life is just too tarnished and we look at the lives of others and we envy them as though we're just giving up on our own self. And if we could be honest with ourselves and we're given the choice and we're not, but if we were given the choice, we would trade our own life in for somebody else's, for something that looks newer and cleaner. But I want you to know this morning that you can have a clean life. Squeaky clean. That's what David talking about this morning when he talks about a change of heart in his life, creating a new heart in us. He wants us to deep clean. Your life can be brand new today. You can take all of that filth and junk and tarnish off of your life, or you can allow God to do that and have a clean heart. So let's take a look at the psalm. He tells us, and there there are multiple things he tells us here. I'm just going to point out three that I noticed uh, just for the sake of time. And the first is this, deep clean your walk. Deep clean your walk. Look with me in Psalm 101 verse 2. I highlighted it there. He says in verse 2, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will walk in my house with blameless heart. 
And again, this is during the time in the life of King David. In fact, there are those that say that David may have written this psalm as a, as a commencement speech, as it were, or a covenant speech for Solomon when he would become king. He wanted Solomon's life to be according to this blueprint. And so one of the things that he mentions here, he says, when I walk in my house. Now, I don't know how big your house is, but David had a big house. It was a palace, actually. And there was a lot going on. It was not just his family. It was all kinds of things that were happening there in the palace. He says, when I walk in my house, that these, this, <clears throat> this area of my life, this area designated for my living, he says, I'm going to do something. He says, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. I will walk in my house with blameless heart. How's your walk today with your God? I know we've been talking a lot about the coronavirus and a lot about the government, what they're doing and what they're not doing and what we should do and shouldn't do and how we do this and all this kind of thing. And I don't regret that. There was a need to deal with that kind of thing. But in the midst of all of this, I fear that we're neglecting or we're forgetting the purpose for which we're called. And it begins here. Without what happens in this passage taking place in our life, we will never fulfill our purpose in life. We'll never be close to God. Because that junk in our life is separating us from Him. So how is your walk this morning? Is your walk blameless, as David would say? Once a church member came to me <clears throat> and wanted to know how I did it. I said, do what? In fact, this church member, this was years ago, but this church member was here this morning in the yearly service. He said, I don't know how you do it, Pastor. I said, do what? He said, your wife, Cherry, worships the ground you walk on. Now, my immediate thought was he doesn't know Cherry very well or he doesn't know me very well. But I do remember a time when Cherry and I first met where she pretty much did worship the ground that I walked on. I told you before, she would only refer to me as Pastor Lee. This is the girl I'm, I'm courting would only call me Pastor Lee. She had incredible respect for me. Men, the highest opinion your wives ever had of us or of you was when they didn't know us. <clears throat> then you get married, you go on the honeymoon, and it doesn't take Larry long before the reality sets in. And you know every flaw in our life. And we know your flaws too. We know whether you're clean and you know whether we're clean or not. And we both know that neither one of us is really uh, squeaky clean. So he tells us in this passage to walk faithfully, to clean up your walk. How clean is your walk before God? What are you doing with your time each week and each day and each hour? How clean is your walk? The conductor of the community orchestra was almost out of his mind. He had a, a challenge. And the challenge was, he had members in the orchestra that just wouldn't come to practice. Now, if you've ever worked in music or you've ever worked in leadership that required practice for anything, you know how he feels, whether it's sports or music or anything else. And so he would have these rehearsals, in rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal, 
He would look out and so many of his orchestra members weren't there. And he was greatly frustrated uh, for that. So it came the day for the big concert. He didn't know if he was going to be able to hold it together. But there was one orchestra member, a violinist, who had come every single time to every single rehearsal. So he made a big deal out of it in this final rehearsal before their big concert. And he said, I want to commend brother so-and-so. He has made it to every single rehearsal faithfully. With great humility, he said, well, it seemed like the least I could do since I can't make it to the concert tonight. <clears throat> you know, faithfulness is hard. Walking the walk and doing what he's suggesting. David, of all people, knew this. He's throwing out these words, but he's not just throwing them out. He, of all people, knew what it was like not to walk the walk. He was an adulterer and a murderer on top of that. He had slipped up, messed up, and done the worst things you could do. So he knew how important it was to be squeaky clean before God. He knew his desperate need to be clean. So God calls us to deep clean our walk. There may be places that you've been going that you don't need to go this week or ever again. You've allowed yourself to walk in a direction, to go in, in, a, in a drive at, to a place or go in a direction you know you should not be. Secondly, not only should we deep clean our walk, we should deep clean our eyes. Look with me in verse 3. Psalm 101 verse 3. Deep clean your walk and deep clean your eyes. He says this in the next verse. He says, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. <clears throat> the deeds of faithless men I hate, they will not cling to me. As a king, there were clingy people in his life. And you may have clingy people in your life. But as a king, he noticed there were clingy people or people trying to cling to him that were not good people. They were not righteous people. They weren't living the right kind of life. And they were trying to pull him into that life. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. This word here, vile, means worthless or bad or wicked. He would have no wicked thing in his eyes. He didn't even want it coming through his eyes. I don't know what you do with your spare time. What you look at, what comes through your eyes. My first thought was, what could possibly be so bad 3,000 years ago that could enter into the eyes of David? Now to be fair, I'll tell you, he was, because he was the king, he could have anything that he wanted. He could allow anything that he wanted of the day to come through his eyes. I assure you there was plenty of evil to go around and it was all very entertaining. We know his own son, Solomon, though he was given the gift of wisdom of God, uh, he didn't use it very well sometimes, and he ended up with a thousand wives. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Oh my goodness. How do you go through 700 weddings? <laughs> how do you make 700 vows or a thousand vows? How do you do that? How do you, how do you even do that? I don't know. Logistically, I can't wrap my head around what Solomon did in his life. No wonder he came to the conclusion that everything is meaningless. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, he was pretty distraught. A thousand wives. Oh my goodness. How do you do Christmas? I, you know, 
<laughs> I don't know how you do anything with a thousand wives. No telling how many kids. I don't know. My goodness. And so David could have had anything he wanted. He could have had women. He could have had uh, uh, all kinds of idolatry going on. He could have had anything he wanted because he was the king. And that's what kings did. They did whatever they wanted to do because they're the king. And nation after nation, generation after generation, in Israel and Judah, they had evil kings that were evil in God's eyes. So you may think it, it was pretty tame existence back then, but there was, and it has always been a plenty of evil to go around. But it pales in comparison to today. You and I have the option every day, men, women, children, Senior adults, all of us have the option to go into our home in the privacy of our home and turn on our TV or turn on our computer and see things that are just shocking. Evil, horrible. Now, true, a lot of it is morality or immorality. Pornography is rampant. Used to, you had to go somewhere to see that kind of thing. Now it's just pumped into your life constantly. Anywhere you go, you can get it on your phone, you can look at it on your computer, you can turn on your TV. And even those uh, things that are on those, uh, those electronic items that we probably don't consider pornography. It's just, you know, the big movie that's out. If your great-grandparents or my great-grandparents saw the, the shows that we watch, they would just be in shock. You and I become numb to it. Not just morality speaking, but as far as violence goes, you know, I'll turn on the TV and it's just a matter of minutes till somebody's head gets cut off. And we have been completely dis desensitized to that. You know, we watch the Avengers or whatever, pff, off goes the guy's head. We don't think anything of it. You know, again, your great-grandparents or your grandparents or maybe even your parents all would see that and they would go, whoa, my gosh. They would be traumatized and we just see it all the time. So much violence and hate and evil comes pumping into our life constantly. You get online. I, you know that I've shared with you and Chris has about social media, Twitter and Facebook or whatever, TikTok or whatever you, whatever you look at. And it is extraordinary what gets pumped into our eyes. I am almost to the point... And, and Chris and I talked about it this week, our associate pastor, Chris. He actually said to me, he's on the brink, and I agree with him, on the brink, we are on the brink of just uh, getting rid of Facebook. Just, I sit down. It's, it's an amazing experience, whatever social media you participate in. And you, you see stories that are cute. You know, a puppy is rescued out of a drain. How many puppy rescues can there be? I mean, <laughs> but I see things like that. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, and then uh, I'll scroll down and the very next story is some sort of a vile, evil, hate, political thing. And it's just spewing and they're just condemning this person or that news story. Or it, and it just, you know, social media is very bipolar. You know, it's here one moment and it's down here the next. And it seems to be down here more and more and more. Very frequently, when I walk away from Facebook, I'm depressed or discouraged. Because I just keep scrolling. You just keep scrolling. You just keep scrolling. And it just comes in your eyes and your eyes and your eyes. And I find myself wondering, does God really want that stuff coming into our eyes? 
That's a high price to pay to see a puppy. You know, I, I really wonder that. And so we, we have this, and so David is saying, no, it's time to deep clean your eyes. And it may be right now you need to take a break from social media. You need to take a break from your computer. You need to unplug a few things. There's a life out there. In the, <clears throat> we have Charter, and Charter went out a day or two ago for like several hours. It was tough. Are you okay? We're, we're, we're going to make it, <laughs> but it's tough. We, and and without, without Charter, we did not have internet, of course, and so we didn't have anything like Netflix or anything like that, but we didn't have a TV. Our, our, our TV is through, through Charter, and so we, everything was dead. I mean, it was just, we just kept going. I just kept pacing back to the, to the router to see if the light was on. We're all just waiting for the moment for hours for the lights to come back on so we can go back with life. It may be we need to unplug that router and just have a life this week. David says, do whatever, whatever you need to do. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Well, he's, you better be happy he doesn't live in this century. But that's what we need to do. Jerry Kirk, who is the founder of the National Coalition for the Protection of Children and Families, uh, and, and a, a great part of what he does in his life is to advocate against pornography. In an article in Men of Integrity magazine, he shares the following insight. This is this is a guy who's a leader. He said, I travel alone a lot in my job and I stay in a lot of hotels with cable TV. I sometimes struggle whether to watch pornography while in the room. One time I was flipping through the channels to find the World Series. While flipping, I came across a channel with half-nude women. I flipped over to the baseball game. Ten minutes later, I flipped back to the movie and then quickly back to the World Series. I did that four or five times before I shut off the TV. I was unnerved at the power of temptation, especially since I've given my life to combat pornography. I've had to come face to face with the Lord and plead for mercy. Lord, how is this possible? I began to lose confidence in my prayers. And then he says this, but God reminds me, Jerry, I'm not surprised by your sin. I've known all along you were a sinner. I've known all along that you were weak. I needed you to know that you're weak. And I need you to know that I alone will make you strong. So he tells us to deep clean our walk, to deep clean our eyes, and you may be asking, how can we do that? Well, he actually tells us something very interesting in this passage. He tells us to do this in part by keeping the right company. If you look with me in, in Psalm 101, verse 6, Psalm 101, 6, he says this, My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Now, you know what he's saying there? He's not saying, I'm condemning these people. I'm judging these people. But he is saying this, these people who do evil in the sight of God will not come into my house. They'll not be a part of my life. They're not going to be my best buddy. And it may be that he had drinking buddies or smoking buddies or, 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 or people that would lure him into evil, and he says, here's my commitment to God. I'm going to keep these people away from my house. Again, not out of judgment, 
because of them, but because of the weakness of his own heart, and he knew he was susceptible to temptation. And we know that he was too, just like you and me. And he says, so here's my strategy. I'm going to watch who I'm around, who I hang around. And it may be you may need to make a few phone calls this week and say, look, buddy, I love you, but we can't go drinking anymore. Or we can't go do this anymore because, you know, if we, we, if we go out and we hang out, we're going to end up saying things, ingesting things, smoking things, and drinking things that we shouldn't be doing. I know that sounds real old preachery sounding, but that's actually exactly what he's talking about here. David did not want that temptation in his life. Keep the right company. Deep clean your walk. Deep clean your eyes. And third, deep clean your heart. Deep clean your heart. Psalm 101, verse 4. Look with me in the very next verse for our verses for today. In verse 4, he says this, Men of perverse heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with evil. And he, he, comes, he becomes more and more personal and deeper and deeper as he gets into the passage. But he's talking about the heart of an individual. A perverse heart is one that is false or deceitful or depraved. He says, I won't have anything to do with it. This week in Florida, this week, just a few days ago in Florida, a woman went through a drive-thru at Burger King. Now, uh, she orders $31 worth of burgers for her family, and then she waits for the burgers to come out. And she waits, and she waits, and she waits, and she became madder and madder and madder. Now, I, I'm there, you're there, we've all been to Burger King, or wherever, and we've had to wait and wait and wait. I understand her frustration, but, uh, but I'll, give you, I'll tell you the end of the story. The guy at the, at the window, the Burger King employee ends up dead, ends up murdered because the burgers didn't come out on time. So she gets in an argument while she's waiting on her burgers. She lets him have it. And so in the end, he gives her the money back gives her a full refund, and asks her if she would just leave the property. Sometimes that's all you can do. And, but she didn't want to leave the property because she was mad. And she wanted to be mad for a little bit longer. Have you ever had somebody cut you off and you follow them? Yeah, because you're mad. You don't want them going their own way. You want to ride their bumper for just a little bit, thinking that'll teach them a lesson, praise God. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. And not saying that I have ever done that, but I've seen that. <laughs> but we get mad. And so she got mad and she wouldn't leave the parking lot. She went and parked on the other side of the parking lot, called her husband who was a convicted felon, an armed criminal who came up there, got in an altercation with the Burger King guy and at Point Blake range pulled out a gun and killed him. That's bad. And after he did that, by then she had fled. I guess as soon as she heard the gunshot, she fled. She went back home. No burgers. He went back home. And as he walked in, he said, baby, I messed up. That was his statement. Something to, along those lines. And here's, here's the thing. <clears throat> Had she known, uh, it, it, she never, never entered her mind when she pulled into that takeout lane and made her order that this was going to end up in fatality. She didn't plan that. It wasn't premeditated. 
And it wasn't premeditated on his part. But what happened was when he allowed his mind and she allowed her mind and her heart to become involved in that and evil took over, they did terrible things. Again, the same thing happened with David. He would never have guessed he would have murdered somebody. But the opportunity came, and that's exactly what he did. So he's telling us here, deep, clean your heart. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to go out and murder somebody physically, but I am saying that if you have hatred in your heart towards somebody right now, Jesus says that that is tantamount to murder. We need to clean, a deep clean our heart. During the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed is, are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Many years ago when I was single, I didn't like doing dishes. I, I, don't, I don't like it now. But uh, when I was single, there was nobody there in the house to complain that the dishes were piling up. And so I just let them pile up. I live by myself. Nobody's business but my own. So they would pile up higher and higher. And after a while, a day or two, you would smell a smell coming out of the sink. And then after the smell phase, there would be these little tiny flying insects all over the place. And then after the insects came, there's phase three where the smell takes a sudden downturn and it just permeates the whole house. And then in phase four, you finally wash the dishes. Or you're supposed to. I'm not saying I ever did this. And don't raise your hand. This is rhetorical. But have you ever known anybody that actually threw a dish away because it was so dirty and they just didn't want to clean it? Now, over time, I learned, by the time I married, Terry will tell you, all the plates in my cupboard were paper plates or styrofoam. And all of the utensils in my drawer were plastic utensils. And so I, I learned, I didn't have any money at that point. I was broke all the time buying utensils and plates, but, but at least I didn't have to wash the dishes. Boy, I'm telling you, sometimes the houses need to be clean. How bad does our life get? How bad does our life have to become before we come to God and ask Him to clean it up? I can tell you this, if you're looking for a loophole, there isn't one. If you want to come close to God, you want to fulfill your purpose in life, you're going to have to let God deal with that junk that's in your life. And you're going to need to come to God and make this same commitment that David did. God, I'm going to walk the right path. I'm not going to allow people in my life that are going to pull me into sin. I'm going to deep cleanse my eyes and this week, I'm, and from now on, I'm not going to allow the sin and the corruption and the junk of this world to enter my eyes. Because no sooner does it enter our eyes, that sin enters our heart. Will you be willing to do that today? Pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning and we ask and pray for forgiveness of our sins. And we mean that. Everything, anything that we've done, and those times where we, like David, have allowed sin to creep into our home, to come into our eyes, to compromise our life. 
to separate us from you. Oh God, we ask for forgiveness right now. Cleanse us in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray you would help us right now to make that commitment for deep cleansing of our life. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you right here, right now? If you're very serious, and I guarantee you God's serious about our sin, even if we're not. But if you're serious like David was, if you want to have the kind of life that God made you to have, you can't keep carrying that around. You can't keep walking into the places you're walking. You can't keep allowing those things to come into your eyes, into your life. It will rot you and it will destroy you. That's what Satan wants for you. I challenge you to come before God right now. Get on your knees and say, God, I'm not going to allow this into my life this week. Some of you, maybe you need to get off of social media. Maybe you need to unplug your TV. Maybe you need to do whatever you need to do. If you're willing to do that, say, God, I'm going to take a break right now from the evil that is in this world. Maybe you need to stop watching the news. It just makes you too mad and too full of hatred. And you need to unplug it. I promise those politicians will be there. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. It'll all be going on whether you're watching it or not. I promise you all that mess on Facebook is going to happen whether you post about it or not. You're not going to convince anybody. It, it'll go along just fine without you. So you might want to say right now, God, it's time to take a break. I'm going to walk the place you want me to walk. I'm going to see what you want me to see. I'm going to be around those that glorify you. And I pray that you would create in me a clean heart, oh God. Would you make that commitment right now? No one's looking around. Would you stand right where you are? As you stand and as you pray, this, uh, pray, this invitation is for you. It may be you want to come and kneel and pray before your God and get right with your God. Or maybe there's somebody you need to pray for. Maybe God is calling you to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know you need to do that, and you need to make that commitment public every time in the Bible. Everybody, everybody that Jesus called, He called publicly. There were no secret Christians then, or no secret Christians now. He said, you have to confess me before others. So you might want to come down and say, I confess Christ is my Lord and Savior. I give my heart to Him. I surrender to Him. Maybe God is calling you or your family to join with First Baptist Church. We want you to know you are welcome here in this place. Or for those of you who are watching at home, I encourage you right where you are. You know what you see. You know where you go. And you know what you do every week. Is that really blessing you? Is that really bringing you closer to your God and giving your life purpose and joy? I challenge you right where you are to say, God, I renounce this. Clean, clean me inside and out. As we pray, you come. Well, thanks for joining us today online for our worship service. We hope that you are ministered and encouraged to while you're with us. And we just want to remind you that you can connect with us online by going to fbcazel.org forward slash connect. We hope to see you again next week.